Good morning. morning. We're doing a series right now called I'm Fine. Clearly you're not. This is all about offenses in our life. This is a big deal because there are a lot of offenses that uh, we carry around with us and we don't need to. Jesus taught us how to get rid of some of them. Uh, Just yesterday, uh, I was driving and, and, and like I was going, my son was in the back, I was taking him home. And I was driving and I had the right of way. I had no stop sign. There was a cross street that had a stop sign. And so I'm going, and this, this girl drove up, and she stopped and then went. Like, I'm, I was going to hit her. And so I just braked. And the car, like, there's other cars. Like, there was another guy that was like, he was mad at her for me. <laughs> there's somebody walking. Mad at her on my behalf. I wasn't mad. I just slowed down. I just used the brake to not hit what was in front of me. And I got to thinking about that on my way home. I was like, Caden, should I be mad at that girl? She's like, what did she do? And I explained it to him. I said, should I be mad at her? And he said, no. I said, why not? She was wrong. She was wrong. Shouldn't I be mad at her because she was wrong? And and he said, no. I said, why not? She, she was wrong, though. He said, well, you could just be mad. Or you could just forgive and go on with your life. Yes! I turned around, pulled over, and gave him a high five. I said, that's how it works, kiddo. You could be mad your whole life, or you could just forgive and go on. You can forgive and go on. This is an area that Satan is attacking. He wants to attack peace. He wants to attack unity. And clearly he's attacking the body of Christ is attacking the world around us. There was, pe- there was people that, they were mad at a situation that did not even affect them. Yeah. Come on. They were just, dummy. I'm like, whatever. I could just let it go because it, all I needed to do was use a brake. Do you know how many times I use a brake when I'm driving? Multiple times. Every time to stop. This is an area where the devil is attacking so hard in this area because he is scared of what we are capable of. When we are in unity. That was, didn't get enough of a man, so I'm going to say that again. The devil is attacking so hard in this area because he's scared of what we're capable of when the body of Christ is in unity. Amen. Two weeks ago, we did a heart for the house offering. And uh, if there is a billionaire in our church who's able to write a million dollar check, I don't know about it. We all work together. Uh, we uh, The goal two weeks ago was to match a $15,000 grant. It was a matching grant that was awarded to us, but we had to match it. And, uh, and we did it last year. The vision here was to renovate our South Auburn location to get it prepared so we can have two locations that made at the same time. And so far, let me just bring you up to speed. So far, I announced several weeks ago that in order for us to buy that property, there was another church Next Level Church in Fort Myers, Florida, that gave us $250,000 to be able to make that happen. Praise God for that. Other fundraising in the past has brought that total from two hundred fifty to three hundred and thirty-nine and some change. Praise the Lord for that. And the Heart for House offering together, what we did in unity, what we did in unity, what we did together, our offering plus $15,000 matching grant, was $78,510.22. That brings the total to $417,640.15. Wow. 
the Lord is good. So I'll say it again. The devil is attacking unity because he's scared of what we can do when we work together. He's scared of what we can do when we are working together in unity. Listen, nobody's perfect. No church is perfect. No leader is perfect. No friend of yours is perfect. No spouse of yours is perfect. No teacher is perfect. And so when one of them offends you, gets us bent sideways, that doesn't mean it's time to throw in the towel. That doesn't mean it's time to quit. Yet we do it all the time. People do this all the time when they're not walking in the light. When we walk in the dark, something gets us bent sideways. I'm done with this marriage. Something gets us bent sideways. I, I, I'm done with this job. The body of Christ has an autoimmune disease. And it's called offenses and unforgiveness. And the devil is tricking many of us. We gotta, we gotta call it for what it is. It's an autoimmune disease that's affecting the own, our own body. And we have to counter the attack, the attack. Let's stop, let's stop falling for it. Can we do that? That's what this series is about. We need healed. And thankfully the Bible gives us some tools to help us understand how to get healed from this trick of the enemy, the cycle of continual offenses. So today we're gonna look at Jesus' theology of offense. Theology just simply means the study of God. So how did Jesus, um, how did Jesus think about offenses? And that's what we're going to look at today. Here's a question for you. Have you ever noticed that when God wants to point something out to you about you and he wants to refine you, have you ever noticed how often he, use, he uses somebody else to do it? That stinks. Can we just agree? I wish, I wish he would just change them. What's he need to change me for? Change, change the other person. Here's a big idea for today. One of the primary tools God uses to change us into who he wants us to be is relationships. It's one of the primary tools God uses to change us into who he wants us to be. God uses people to change us. If you're humble. I was... Uh, Many years ago, I took a mission trip to Honduras with a, with a music group, and I was in Honduras for four weeks. And because all of the, uh, all of our care, um, luggage was taken up by like music equipment, all of the clothes and personal items that we wanted had to be contained within a um, carry-on. A month's worth of stuff. Needless to say, we were doing a lot of laundry. And uh, down there, services are cheaper. And so, like, when we were at, staying at a hotel or something, I could do my laundry in a sink, or I can pay the hotel a dollar and a half to do all my laundry. I paid the hotel a dollar and a half to do all my laundry. I thought, that's, that's worth it. Gets it, you know, not wrinkly, it's better. And um, I, I dropped off all my laundry one day, and I came back the next day. And this lady at the, the front desk, she didn't speak a lick of English, not, not a word. And I, I used my best Spanish and I asked, are my clothes ready in Spanish? And she said, está mojado, which means they are mojado. I didn't know what mojado was. I was like, okay, what, is, what is mojado? And she's like, your clothes are mojado. This is all I'm understanding in Spanish. Your clothes are mojado. 
stolen in the laundry like what is mojado i don't know what that means it means wet i learned later they're still damp and i said what is mojado and i'm trying to help her like realize that i'm a very smart and intellectual person and if she would just if she would just use other words like like i know some other words like she could say there's water on your clothes if she said that then i would understand but she's not trying to participate in this she's just Stuck on using the word she knows. It's her language. I mean, she has the right to do that. They're mojado. They're mojado. What the heck is mojado? I don't know. And so I asked her, I was like, what is mojado? What is mojado? What is mojado? And her reaction gave me reason to be offended. She tipped her head back, rolled her eyes. And motioned to me like I was a moron. And came around the back and typed it into a dictionary and showed me what it meant. And I thought, I started this conversation with her in my head. She didn't know I was having the conversation, but I was having it. (laughs) How dare you treat me like an idiot? I am not dumb. I may... I may sound it because I'm not getting all the, all the words. I have a limited Spanish vocabulary. But I'm getting a college degree, lady. You're getting a portion of a dollar and a half to do my laundry. I am the smart one here. How dare you treat me like a fool? Roll your eyes at me. And as I was having this offensive conversation in my mind, and I was busy getting all my guards up and offended. I realized how she was treating me is exactly how a lot of Americans treat immigrants who are doing their very best to speak in English. Only for it to be broken. That changed me. I never get impatient with someone trying to speak English. Never. I never come to conclusions about their life. Because I just don't know their situation. I don't know. I don't know. That changed me. It refined me a lot. An offensive, an offensive encounter where someone treated me like a moron changed me, I think, for the better. That's why I say one of the primary tools God uses to change us into who he wants us to be is relationships. God works through other people. In my story, it was a lady at a hotel. Maybe you've been refined by your spouse. Maybe a coworker. Maybe a teacher refines you. God uses other people to change us. Maybe it's a group or a serve team. You know, this is the, the last day. There's still, it's not too late to sign up for a serve team or a group or a freedom group. Uh, some of them start today. Some of them start in the coming weeks. But um, the information table can help you with any of that. One of the primary tools God uses to change us into who he wants us to be is relationships. If you want to be all that God has for you, if you want to grow in your faith, you, you're never going to do it alone. You need others. And it sure would be a lot easier if, when we're engaged in a conflict with someone else, I, I sure would appreciate it if God would just change the other person. That ding dong. But he wants to change me. He wants to change me. Jesus te- teaches us this in Luke chapter 17. We're going to read this passage together. I'm going to read out of the New King James. He said to the disciples, it's impossible. Everybody say Impossible. It is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. 
It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than, it, than that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. And then the apostle said to the Lord, yeah, we're going to need some help to do that one. Increase our faith. That's the hardest thing you've ever said, Jesus. You want me to forgive him again? Seven times in the same day. Clearly they didn't even mean it. They said, I'm sorry, but clearly they didn't mean it. They did it again. Seven times. Increase my faith. God, that's the hardest thing you've ever said to do. Anybody else feel that? Like, yeah, that's hard. Again? I'm going to forgive him again? Living in relationship. Living in close proximity to other people, indeed. It's one of the hardest things we'll ever do. Why? There's two reasons. Because there's a lot of knuckleheads out there. And I have a lot of pride. There's a lot of knuckleheads, and I've got a lot of pride. That makes it difficult. But there's hope for us. Jesus taught us how to get through this. I want to break these verses down in uh, Luke chapter 17. We're going to explore these verses together. I'll read it again. Here's uh, verses 1 and 2. Then he said to the disciples, It is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. So today I'd like to share four thoughts on Jesus' theology of relationships and offense. Four thoughts on Jesus' theology of relationships and offense. Here's number one. We must recognize and own it when we offend others. Makes things a whole lot easier. When we're the one that's wrong, to just say, sorry. A lot of talk, a lot of the, the series is about how we react when others offend us. And that's good, but, but right now I'm talking about when, you, when you're the guy that's wrong. When you offend someone else and you can tell that you did. If you're wrong, you can make things a whole lot easier. Just say, I'm sorry. Jesus is saying, do whatever you can do to make things right, or it's going to be a heavy weight. You're going to drown in the, in the burden of offense. He also taught, Matthew chapter 5, he says, Therefore, if you're offering a gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. In other words, you can nod right, you can listen to me preaching, and you can be nodding, saying hallelujah. But perhaps the more spiritual thing to do is to pull out your cell phone and text someone, I'm sorry. Maybe. Maybe. Owning your own faults starts with, I'm sorry. Why is that so hard? Pride, probably. I want to help you get over the, hint, the, the, the hump here. Let's all say it together. I'm sorry. Ready? I'm sorry. Try it again. I'm sorry. One more time without me. That was very good. You guys have completed that challenge. We're going to bump it up to level two. We're going to add the word honey in front of it. Ready? <laughs> honey, I'm sorry. Very good. Very good. We can get the words out. Why is that so hard? Why is it so hard? It's pride. Pride. The Bible tells us where there's strife, there's pride. Where there's strife, there's pride. 
it's impossible to say I'm sorry without humility. Is it not? And here's the real crazy thing. This is so hard for us to do. I, I, heard, I had one kid tell me that, that his dad, he's never heard his dad ever say I'm sorry. I thought, that's sad. Dad, I appreciate you being such a good model to me. He's like, I have no problem saying I'm sorry to my kids because you've shown me how to say sorry. So thank you. I hope you do that too. It costs you nothing but your pride, which you shouldn't have anyway. So it's a win-win. Just say, I'm sorry. When you know you're wrong, there's no downside to it. Here's the second thought on Jesus' theology of offense. Number two, we must pay attention to our own heart. We've got to pay attention to our own heart. Jesus said, take heed to yourselves. What's that mean? Heed. Other translations use phrases like, be on your guard. Watch yourselves. Be careful. Be alert. Pay attention. In other words, pay attention to your own heart when you're being offended. When somebody pulls out in front of you and you get mad. When somebody says something to you and, and you are offended by it. Take heed. Pay attention to what's happening in you. Jesus promises so many things. Aren't the promises of the Lord great? Aren't they so comforting? The promises of Jesus, they're so comforting. Here's a promise in the, in the first verse of our passage. It is impossible that no offenses should come. That's a promise of the Lord. Not one that makes me feel so, so pretty, but it's, it's a promise of God. You're going to get offended. So it is our duty to be clearing out our heart regularly. Take heed. We must pay attention to our own heart. How often? Maybe, maybe seven times a day. We need to clear our hearts. We have to. We have to. My washing machine this past week, we thought had a leak. Turns out, we didn't clean the washing machine enough. It's a washing machine. You gotta clean it, apparently. But if you don't clean the cleaner, too much, too much buildup it gets in there and sudsiness comes out from the bottom. Same way with our heart. We need to clean it out or else some things get clogged up. Take heed. Be on your guard. Be watching for yourself to be offended. Most of the offenses that we're carrying never intended to be offensive. Sometimes, maybe half of the offenses that are represented in this room have been done to us by people who have no idea that they offended us. But we just hung on to it. They don't care. They're done. They're not in a fight. You're just all bent out of shape. If you turn every opportunity to be offended into a 30-minute conversation, you'll never get anything done, okay? So for those, let me just give you this advice. For those minor things, here's what you do. Number one, you show empathy. Try to imagine what they're going through. And number two, give them the benefit of the doubt. That's something that's kind of been lost, hasn't it? We don't give people the benefit of the doubt very much. We just cancel them. Those idiots. Some of you are still arguing with someone who let you go two years ago. They're not still thinking about you. They went on. You haven't. Some of you are still angry about things that, that do not affect you personally in the least bit. Just drop it. 
Some of us are having arguments with people that aren't even in the room. And it happens every day for you. Drop it. Drop it. Pay attention to what's going on in your heart. That's not cool. You don't need to still argue with people that aren't arguing with you. Drop it. Drop it. Even a dog knows how to drop it. That's what you'd say. Drop it. And they drop the... You could drop it. Show empathy and give them the benefit of the doubt and just drop it. There's... These are really small, minor things because they just affect you, right? But if you can't move past it, here's the, the third point. Number three, if you can't move past it, we must go to those who have offended us. We must go to them. In Luke 17, Jesus said, If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. Rebuke them. I hear some of you right now, you're, you're thinking, Yeah, I will rebuke you. Yeah, I want to rebuke somebody right now. Yes! Let's talk about what that word means, rebuke. Uh, rebuke can, can mean assigning value that is fitting to the situation. And it, it can mean to assess a penalty. So uh, if you're driving 10 miles over the speed limit, the police will rebuke you a ticket of a certain amount. If you're driving a whole lot faster than 10 miles over the speed limit, the police will rebuke you a greater deal. Depending on how fast you're going, they have the ability to arrest you. So that's, that's a greater rebuke. Because if you keep doing that, something bad's going to happen. If you are pulled over for drunk driving, they rebuke you even bigger. Because if you continue on that path, people will get hurt. And so they rebuke. They assign a value to what you're doing. And they, they say, if you keep going down this path, it's not going to end well. So we rebuke you, and we're going to put you on a right path. We've got to stop you from doing what you're doing, because it's going in a bad place. In other words, if a brother or sister sins against you, you can say something to them and realize if that they keep moving in that direction, something bad's going to happen to your relationship. We can assign a value to the relationship and, and do something about it. Our relationship matters. You matter enough that I need to provide a warning that if your actions continue, it's going in a bad place. I want to I stop you. If you're going on living in sin, time out. If you keep doing that, it's not going to end well for you. So because I care about you and because I care about our relationship, I'm going to assign a value to that and I'm going to rebuke you. It's not, nah, you idiot. It's, Hey, that's not cool. If your marriage is heading in a direction where if the things that are happening now continue to happen, it ain't going to end well, can you lovingly rebuke someone? I think you can. Do you, do you, do you, do you care enough? Hey, if this keeps going, this isn't going to end well. We need to have a difficult conversation to avoid the more difficult conversation later. We can go after those who've offended us. Not just can, like, like we ought to, if we can. If we can be reconciled, it's better. Why? Because repentance strengthens relationships. When repentance is genuine and when it's received, it will always strengthen the relationship. Think of your very closest friends. The people you're just closer to than anybody else. I guarantee you, you're closest to them because you've been through it with them. Not every day has been good. You've had rough days with them. And you came out on the other side. 
Repentance strengthens relationships. That's why humility matters so much. Humility will lead to repentance, which strengthens relationships, which makes the church better. What should we do then when, when there's someone who just will never repent? There's some people that never will. Either they're too oblivious, or they're dead, or they're, they're just, um, I wrote down the word, what is it? Obstinate. They're just, they refuse to see it. There's some people that will never repent. What do you do? You allow God to change you. That's where the deep stuff happens. If you're dealing with that, you definitely need to get in a freedom group. Try to get in this semester if you can. It sure would be great if they would own up to their problems and accept even their part of the problem. But sometimes it's just never going to happen. And if you hang on to the situation like this, you'll never receive what God wants to give you. You could, you could try to hand me a million dollars right now, but my clenched fists can't receive it. And if your heart is clenched, you cannot receive what the God wants to give you. Oh, it's good. It's good. It's a great life to be free. Here's the fourth thing that we learn from Jesus' theology of offense. Number four, we must understand people will never be perfect. It'd be great if we should... Uh, I think our belief system needs to make room for the imperfections of other people. You're going to have some boogers in your life. See, Jesus tried to warn you. Luke 17, he says, Even if... Everybody say, even if... Even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you're going to forgive them. Amen. Yeah, but Jesus, if they, come, if, they, if they come back seven times, clearly they didn't mean it. That's none of your business. Your business is forgiving. There you go. That's what we get to do, church. Forgive and then do it again. Seven times is not a limit. But think about it. Jesus is trying to say that offenses will be a common part of your life. They're going to happen. Offenses are a common occurrence. Yet we live as though they're supposed to be a rarity. I can just imagine some of you going out to play cards with somebody and you, on the way home, one of you all they would talk about is Trump. Honey, we were playing Euchre. It doesn't matter. Trump is Trump. You're just mad about everything. <laughs> Some of us live as though we think offenses are supposed to be a rarity, but they're not. It's impossible that no offenses will come, Jesus said. And he says it's going to happen over and over. And people will say sorry and not even mean it. But you forgive them. You forgive them anyway. There's an election coming up, and you will probably be offended. How do I know that? Because there's a lot of knuckleheads out there, and we've got a lot of pride. We should just expect offense. It's going to happen. Offenses are going to happen. Expect it. But praise the Lord Jesus gave us the tools we needed. He told us how to deal with this. Remember what I said at the beginning. The purpose of conflict and trouble in our life is to point out something in us that needs to change. And God will use people 
to change us. And that's when the disciples said to the Lord, increase our faith. That's the hardest thing you've ever said. I can't do it. Increase our faith. So the very next verse, Jesus continues the thought. It's a continuation of thought. The the disciples say, increase our faith. We don't have enough faith to believe that. And Jesus said, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and be planted into the sea and it will obey you. Jesus is saying that the same kind of faith that knows no impossibility is the same faith that we are to use in our relationships. When offenses come, we want to make it them. We want to make it their fault. What he did. What she said. And here's the hard part. They might be wrong. You could be right and still be wrong. The issue might be about them. But the resolution could be about you. When the offenses come, I need to look at me. You need to look at you. Do you have enough faith to believe that God can use something offensive to help you? What would it look like if instead of, can we put, yeah, instead of running around like Pinocchio, oblivious to our, because pride, pride causes us to not realize we have it, right? That's the nature of pride. What if we were to walk around, instead of being Pinocchio, what if our nose would shrink and we stopped saying, I'm fine, and we started saying, what's God trying to do in me right now? What part of me doesn't need, what part of me doesn't look like you enough? God, is there a part of me that, that doesn't look like you enough? Because you told me to forgive over and over. You told me to let things go, and I can't do it. Increase my faith. To see what it is inside of me that needs to look more like you. What would your life look like if you did that? If you replaced your bubble? Your nose would be smaller, probably. (laughs) Would you stand with me? Let's still ourselves before the Lord. I want to give you a chance to hear from God. What happens is we can listen, not with our ears, but we listen with the ears of our spirit. And little ideas might pop into our head when we ask God to speak. So let's remove distractions. Let's close our eyes. Let's listen to the Lord. God, what is it? What do you want to do in me? through the offenses we're experiencing? What part of us needs to look more like you? Is it growing in humility so we can say sorry? Is it to take a step and join a group or a surf team in the church? Is it just to overlook stuff? Do you need to make room for imperfect people? Maybe you need to go to someone. God, you can do a deep work. I pray for your spirit to do a deep work in our hearts as we surrender all of us to you. Every every piece of our hearts and our attention, our motives, 
surrender to you, God. So Lord, clean out our heart, clean out the gunk. Let us be pleasing to you, Father. It's our prayer.